1: Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plant. Hey, church planner. This is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for hardcore church planting. And uh, because we don't have any smack talk on this, and if you don't even know what we're talking about when we say smack talk, you got to check out the church planner podcast where there's nothing but smack talk for the first 20 minutes. This uh, podcast, we actually get into the good stuff. So, Peyton, why don't you introduce our guests so we can get right in? Absolutely. And the real reason for this
2: podcast is just to prove to the other podcast audience that we can do it. We can actually get straight in without wasting too much time. So, to make my point, our guest today is Philip Fiddler, also known as P. Fiddy. He is on the show today to talk to us about something that's uh, a passion on his art. He is a church planner. He's a new breed church planner, and he is in uh, Durham, uh, one of the Carolinas. Always get confused. Don't ask me north and south. But he's here with us. I believe it's North Carolina. Did I hit it?
0: North. North Carolina, yes. There we
2: go, because I knew you were close to uh, uh, Matt Fretwell in uh, Richmond. So, anyways, so, hey, welcome to the show, man, Um, Refuge Durham. Give you guys a shout-out if you're in the Durham area. Check out Phil's church, and
1: welcome on board, man. Thank you so much. Hey, so, Philip, tell, uh, tell us how you got started uh, with church planning, and, and really even before we get into that question, why don't you tell us how you came to faith?
0: Sure, sure. Well, I was one of those guys that uh, I grew up in the church, but around the age of 14, uh, just started hanging out with a bunch of kids that were older than me, and realized that um, if you if you hung around with the wrong people and youth group, that you could get into a whole lot of the wrong things, into a whole lot of trouble, and so that was my church experience for quite a while. Um, I grew up, like I said, just been a part of the church my whole life, but uh, never really had a real conversion experience or a real relationship with Jesus that didn't start until I was 31 years old, and uh, just went through a season in my life where literally everything just fell apart at the seams. I was just a maniacal party animal and uh, just went every wrong way that an individual could possibly go in life. And ended up at a place in Lenore, North Carolina called Bethel Colony, which was a 60 day uh, they called it a regeneration program basically it was people for people that had struggled with addictions and all types of life-besetting sins as they're called and was there for 60 days and during that time October the 28th 1999 it was just you know if this Jesus this historical Jesus that I've been hearing about all my life was real that he was the only one that could ever make sense of the mess that I had created for my life and so Um, I just cried out to the Lord in complete brokenness and, you know, complete desperation and had that experience where I was born again by the Spirit of God. And literally within a week or two of my conversion experience, I was talking to a buddy of mine and wanting to go back to Columbia, South Carolina, find a place where I could get a warehouse start bringing in people off the street, start doing that, um, you know, working with them. And I had no idea, you know, I had no idea what I was talking about, what that looked like. I was just clueless. I just knew that somehow that was something that uh, at, even at, at the point of salvation, it almost seemed that God had really birthed within me. And so that was kind of the beginning.
2: So, Phil, how did you yeah. get involved in the type of ministry? First off, tell us what kind For, of first ministry. First of all, you're first of all,
1: it's Philip. Oh, yeah. oh, God, excuse oh! Wait, me. no, wait, sorry, that's the wrong <laughs> Philip. Wrong Phil. Wrong
2: yeah. Phil. You scared me. I had flashbacks. <laughs> very, very tra- <laughs> traumatic moment when we interviewed uh, Philip Yancey.
1: Philip.
2: Yancey, and uh, great guy, Philip. We we always laugh though because I could not stop calling him Phil. And uh, he's like, Philip, he kept correcting me. It was so funny. And he's like, well, my friends call me Philip. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Philip, Philip, Fiddler. uh, Tell us us first off, what is your ministry? Um, You have a unique passion and burden. I I mean, anyone who knows you for five minutes finds that out. Um, Tell us about that and how you got involved in it.
0: Well, we do, uh, we, we, ha- we really have a, a, a strange ministry to a lot of folks. And, you know, we've, we, if I've heard from people, you guys really don't have a model for what, you've, what you're doing. Uh, if I've heard that one time, I've, I've just heard it dozens of times, literally. And, and because what we do is, is we go into a, a community. Uh, we go into areas that are really struggling, uh, a lot of poverty, gang activity, drug activity, high crime rates, uh, the, you know, area that we're in right now, we've literally had, I think it's seven shootings in this area just over the last couple of months. And so it's a, it's a, it's, it's a high-crime area and, and really struggling uh, community, a lot of beautiful parts of this community as well. But basically what we've done, and we did this in South Carolina as well, is come in. My wife and I moved into the neighborhood back in May, which would be one year now, and we just started praying. and We just started getting to know people, and really we, we weren't planning on getting back into the whole inner-city church planting thing. We, we really were kind of trying to run from it of uh, this past year. And, and it, it just so happened that a house next door to us, there was a major drug bus there, crack, cocaine, drug bus right next door to us on December the 30th. And there were, I think it was as many as eight kids in that house. Uh, when that happened, and SWAT showed up with a battering ram and just busted the front door off the hinges and all that. And it was at that point that I just kind of looked at my wife and I said, you know what, we, it's time. We we really need to do something. And so uh, we just started praying. We started having a Bible study in our home. People began to show up. Uh, what we do um, is, I mean, we, we really focus things on Acts 242, and we really try not to get outside of that. Every Sunday, we meet at 5.30 p.m., and we have a time of uh, prayer, Bible study, just hanging out, and we always have a meal, Um, but In addition to that, we also start what we call a hybrid of missional community slash residential discipleship homes where these homes function as missional communities in the area where they are. But also we bring in folks that have been struggling with chronic homelessness. There goes the train. Uh, Chronic homelessness, generational poverty, uh, and, and bring them in. And we give them a 10 to 12 month stay take them through a three-phase discipleship process, and then we raise them up to be the inter- integral part of our church planting process. Okay. And, so, you know, we've seen – go ahead. I'm
2: sorry. No, I was going to say – well, go. go you carry on, and then we'll – what are we going to say? Okay.
0: Well, I was going to say, when we were in South Carolina, we had, you know, when we would come together on Sunday evenings, it would be a much more diverse, you know, people would come from, from all all over the, the town, and but it was the coolest thing when you begin to really see, and you guys have experienced this in Long Beach, too, I know, is seeing guys that are being discipled out of homelessness, gang activity, drug addiction, and they're the ones that are actually your you know, your first impressions team. They're the ones that are doing your greeting. They're the ones that are doing your sound. They're playing in your praise band. They're the ones that are setting up all the coffee, that are doing the setup and tear down. And you just begin to take people who have been living life in the margins and you disciple them into – understanding and identifying what their gifts, talents, and abilities are and assimilating them into the body of Christ. And lives just begin to get radically changed as a result of that.
2: That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. you know, one of the things, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining our church planners out there saying, man, I would love and, you know, I'd love to be able to grab a house and get a bunch of people living in it. Um, how how do you, how do you do that, man? Like, I mean, what's a process for grabbing a house, um, getting it set up for people to live in and starting a, you know, almost like a communal living missional discipleship mm-hmm. house. I mean, guys are listening they're going, that's cool. You do that. But I mean, you're not rolling in dough. How, how does that process work <laughs> for you, Phil?
0: Yeah, we started, when we started the, the, the church in South Carolina, uh, we started with a single house, and that house, we were able to get into that with just some money that my wife and I had uh, a little bit in our uh, income tax return, but what we've done in the past is find a place that's not in very good shape and go to the landlord, and, you know, this is, in, in a lot of these communities where we are, once a house becomes vacant, if somebody doesn't get in that house as quickly as possible, all the copper ends up gone from it.
1: Right. So,
0: and people know that people that are landlords and, and even property owners. So we go to them and we say, if you'll waive the security deposit, we'll start out we'll start out renting this house. Eventually we may try to buy it, but we'll start out renting it. You waive the security deposit. We've even had folks waive the security deposit and the first three months rent. Uh, in exchange for us just doing a whole bunch of uh painting and cleaning and landscaping, of course, we do landscaping as well, so that's always a real good bartering tool but And then we get in there, and then once we get in and we can begin to demonstrate you know how this ministry works, how this church is established, and all the different ways that it gets connected in the community, people come on and they start seeing it, and then we start trying to find land property owners who have abandoned houses in these particular communities that are just paying property taxes on houses that have just been ransacked. And and then we go and we ask them to give the properties to us. A lot of times they do. And then we connect with civic organizations, youth groups, uh, churches that can come in and help us rehab these houses. And of course, then you got to bring them all up to code, current code. And, and it takes a lot, but you know, with the support of the community and it's getting established, first of all, first off in the community where people see the work that you're doing and they see the, the, the communities beginning to change as a result of you being there, then people begin to really want to work with you a whole lot more.
1: You know, um, yeah. I, I gotta I gotta interject a question here because I'm uh I'm really curious about this process that you're talking about. I mean you uh-huh. said a lot of buzzwords that me as a, a business guy over you know being a church planner, like they, they tickled my fancy. Let's just put it like that. Can you okay. can you kind of I, I think the best way for me to really get my head around this concept that you're describing, give us an actual example that you've done where this this whole thing went down because i think that'll really help me visualize what you're talking about
0: okay um when we were in south carolina i think probably the best example was one of the things there especially for women coming out of homelessness in this particular town was there was a shelter there, but it was a smaller shelter, and if women wanted to go to the shelter, they were never allowed to have their children with them. There was an orphanage in town that would take the kids, and they would keep the kids until the mom was able to, um, you know, to kind of get healed up a little bit. Well, we had this vision to have a place that would be a home where both, where mothers could go and they could go through this 10 to 12 month discipleship process, but that they, if they were single moms, that they could do that with their kids with them. And so we found this old house. Basically, it was being used as, you know, in our communities, what they call a trap house, you know, where the people get their crack and then they go into the abandoned house and and they use and the, you know, the crack dealers kind of linger, linger around. But also people were staying in this house. All the copper was stripped out of it. And so what we did Pete was we went in there and we had guys at another house where we had seven men that we were taking through a discipleship process. And those men, their day to day job then became helping us establish this women's home. And then it became a missional community, um, itself. But as we were working through this and we had contractors that, do- that, you know, donated their time and energy, electrical wholesalers that gave us, uh, Materials and then the local Elks Lodge actually came to us and said, "We want you. Got we like what you guys are doing. We want you to apply uh, through us for a ten thousand dollar grant." And so we did, we got to $10,000 and within a, within about 12 month period, we had taken a shell of a house that had been stripped down, destroyed, homeless people were living in it. It was a crack house in the community and turned it into a completely and totally renovated home for women and children.
1: So who, who approached the homeowner and and what was your approach with them to get them to give you guys the house or did you buy it or, or how did that work?
0: Uh, it was given to us. It was signed over. We had several of those when we were in South Carolina. We haven't quite gotten to that point here in Durham where we have we've found that that person. This person in South Carolina just owned a ton of houses and what basically what they're doing is they're paying property taxes on a place that they really can never use or don't want to use because they don't want to invest the money in having to bring it all up to current code. Uh, especially the electrical and the plumbing. And so they're able to just basically sign it over to us so that they don't have to pay property taxes on it anymore, and then they get the tax deduction for the appraised tax value, and they get that des- deduction uh, yeah, when they okay. donate it to us. And, and yeah. I'm the one that actually approaches them, and I go, look, you got this house that's sitting over there. you got a bunch of people hanging out smoking crack in there. They've stripped it down. Why don't you give it to us? And in that way, you know, you get these two major benefits. And then what we're going to do is we're going to make it a part of our church that we're planting here in this particular community.
2: Great. That's amazing, man. So so just yeah. because my yeah. eyes glaze over when I hear things like taxes, um, not yeah. so much money, like I like the idea right. of someone's going to pay me money as a poor church planner. That's great. But the uh, the idea of like grant writing now, that is difficult. Um. Did you do that, or did you have someone else do it for you? Or, I mean, are you like? Do you have like a PhD? That's that's short for a you know a a Phil Fiddler of higher um, and deeper (laughs) PhD degree in uh, grant writing. Now, what uh, what how how did that look?
0: Well, I mean. You know Peyton, guys like me that kind of have that apostolic gift mix um, but i can 't really stay still long enough or or to be able to focus <laughs> enough on a uh, on grant writing uh, you know i 'm out trying to figure out how what 's the next thing we 're going to do in the community so um, so at that particular time in South Carolina, because we were going through the elk slides for that grant they had, they had someone that would write that. Uh, We've been looking at some here and that's the big challenge is we've got, you know, we've got three of us that are basically full time and what we're doing, full time on a volunteer basis, um, what we're doing here and and none of us are, uh, none of us have that PhD that you mentioned. So it is a huge challenge to be able to go that route. But we just have always tried to get folks, of course we do this bivocationally and so um, that helps and um, you just people just come on board and, and they want to support yeah. and we, we just opened a, a, a women's house here which is actually where our church meets wow. it's where all of our outreach happens and one of the local uh, associations here in in Durham just contacted me this past week and said we love what you're doing we want to pay the rent and utilities for the next six months. Uh, so, so that, that kind of thing is, is really how we've been able to do it in the past. People coming and going, this is awesome. We've never really seen anything like this. You guys are reaching this community like people have tried to do before in the past and, and it didn't work. And so we really want to get behind you guys and what you're doing.
1: Well, you know, uh, another quick question I got on this, uh, this process, you mentioned that with the landscaping, you sometimes use that as, as barter. And to me, that's uh-huh. a, I, when I hear the, the term barter, I love it because most people don't understand uh, all the potential that you can use with, with barter. What do you mean right. that when you say you use landscaping and barter, how are you using it? That kind of thing. Like how are, how have you been able to utilize that asset of having a landscaping company?
0: Right. We've got uh, the house that we live in now, my wife and I, which is four houses down from where, the home is where our church meets um that was part of the agreement in, in us getting in here and because we you know that's that's something that we both love to do and it's something that i do is is my you know my tent making um we are able to you know a lot of times we're able to get plants at wholesale And then we're able to come in and and basically the bartering side of things, Pete, most often is is what would be the labor costs. But we take these houses that have been just neglected for years and, and we get in and just gradually over the course of time, we do, you know, we do seeding and reseeding of the lawns. We do fertilization. We do. Um, we start putting in plants gradually over the course of time, and you know we get, literally give these things a, a whole new landscape. Um, one of the that the house that we have now that's got women in it up the street, which again is is where our church meets. There was a back brick patio on that house that was so overgrown at one time you couldn't even tell it was there. And now we've cleaned it all up. We've pressure washed the whole thing. We've we've put herb gardens in there. We've put citronella plants all around to help keep the mosquitoes away. And it's just doing, you know, those types. I'll I'll, I'll usually uh, take one or sometimes one and a half days of my week, and I'll get some folks together. I'll actually hire some people from the neighborhood who are in need of work. And we'll go and, and, yeah, we'll spend time. Um, we'll spend time just working on these properties and really just, uh, you know, really doing uh, a nice landscape. And we don't do anything super elaborate, but it really, um, it really livens things up quite a bit. And then we just, we trade out the labor for what it would cost in, you know, deposit, rent, uh, all that. Well,
2: when can I move in? That's my first question. My <laughs> second question is. Well, um, you know, speaking of moving in, having people that actually come in there. Now we're talking about five human specimens coming in. What are you doing with them? So you, you, you've got people that are getting clean. You've got people that are uh, getting off the street. You've got people maybe that are coming out of prison. You've got people that are trying to step up. You've got all this, this unique kind of cross-section of, of, of society here that you're redeeming. And yeah, what does that look like? What is that process? So less about the building now, more about the people. Right. Doing with them.
0: Right. Well, we take, we take folks through what I call a, a three-phase discipleship process. This was something that the Lord gave me about seven or eight years ago, and I just got up one night, probably about two o'clock in the morning, and just started typing. And, you know, it, it's basically, I mean, we do a lot of Bible studies. We do a lot of community outreach. There are several really key books that I have folks read, like um, I have them read What is the Gospel by Greg Gilbert. I have them read Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart by J.D. Greer. Um, I have them read several things that really, at the very, very beginning, so that we could get into those conversations about, look, you may, just because you prayed the prayer doesn't necessarily mean that you're a born-again believer in Christ. It's good um, to be a raised-
2: foundation because they're not ready for uh-huh. Church Zero yet. Cha-ching. But, uh, but soon, soon.
0: Yeah. yeah, we, we do. We, we get them to that. It's funny that you mentioned that, though, Peyton, because the end result in all of this, once you get to the third phase at about nine months, our hope is that we can then begin to, once we've identified gifts, talents, and abilities, which is a, really a, a core part of what we do, then we can start looking, okay, where is your calling? Where does God want to send you? And as though it hasn't happened yet, uh, my goal, well, one of my dreams has been to be able to start being able to lay hands on people, to commission them, and to send them out to the nations as missionaries. And Um, we've had some folks that have come really, really close. We have some folks from time to time that just bottom out and then come back around a year later and say, I should have listened to you guys more. But we really do take the, one of the key things is a lot of our, our ministry has been based on Isaiah 58 and we, we take people through that passage because there's so many promises there that are associated with, you know, if you feed the hungry, if you clothe the naked, then your gloom will become like the noonday sun. You know, mm-hmm. then you will cry out to me and I'll hear you. And so we take these and we say, look, this process doesn't start becoming complete until you really start becoming missional about your life and then we create missionaries hopefully the Holy Spirit creates missionaries that they are the ones really as a missional community that begin to do establishing the food bank. Um, Our women's house up the street, we've just gotten connected where they're going to be doing lunches for neighborhood kids who are dependent on school lunches for their primary meal of the day. And we're going to be doing that all through the summer. And that's going to be a couple of the ladies that are living at this house, they're going to be the ones that are kind of heading that up. And that's part of that disciple-making process for us is – you know, it's, we don't want this to be an intellectual thing. We we want you to get your feet, your hands dirty in this community. You know,
2: it's funny because uh. there's a couple of pictures that come to mind when I think of you. The first first picture I ever saw of you when you were first uh, uh <laughs> when you were first went <laughs> in the network. I remember we were talking, we were doing the interviews and everything. And you had done an application, and your picture came through. We met through uh, I'm trying to remember. did we do we meet through Patrick Hubbard? I can't remember who we met through.
0: No, actually, we met we met because I, through the some of the guys in the Calvary Church Planning Network. Oh, um, okay. Helen yeah. Criswell and uh, and oh, yeah. uh, Chuck Muscle White and some of those guys, because mm-hmm. I was originally I was originally ordained as a Calvary Chapel pastor, and we kind of connected through Marietta Hot Springs and some of those guys. Uh, some of those guys oh, okay. that were starting the Calvary Church Planning Network.
2: Well well here was the thing, yeah. man, is is when yeah. I first saw a picture of you, it was you dressed like a homeless guy uh in front of a congregation. You were obviously preaching or sharing that morning. Yeah. You had a cardboard sign. I can't remember if it said something like Jesus was homeless or it was something kind of cool. And I just remember going, This guy's cool. And then the <laughs> second the second picture that will come to mind when I think of you is what you were just describing uh, when when you were last talking, which was neighborhood meals. Like, I mean, we're like almost like the entire front lawn of one of these houses you do. It's like easy ups, barbecue, food, people Uh smiling, talking in a a lower economic stratus neighborhood. Um, Pretty cool stuff, man. What do you guys do when you're doing that?
0: Well, uh, just yesterday, Peyton, as a matter of what we've been doing here is we just really stepped out and started this particular church here, Refuge Durham, uh, right around the first of the year, officially. And what we've started doing now that the weather's nice, first 65 degree day that we had was a brief one we had back in February. And the first thing I did was I put the grill right in the middle of the front yard and uh, just started you know connecting with people but now that we've got the house up the street where the church meets um we just we, once a month because we meet from five thirty to 7 on sunday evenings and so once a month we're bringing in the bounce house the hot dogs the snow cones the popcorn you know all, and uh, have a place set up in the backyard where kids can play soccer and You know, it just turned and we have hip hop artists come and we had a lady doing spoken word and and we just do this once a month and just really set something up where we just really say, come on, we're your neighbors. Let's just party as neighbors. And so a large part of our support that we do get um, our monthly support that we do get, it goes to throw in these neighborhood parties. And We've got to I mean we, we literally pay, and this is the great, craziest thing about where we are right now. We've probably got about 15 kids uh, that are uh, younger kids, but also neighborhood teenagers that are, that are calling refuge Durham, their church home and My wife goes, she works at an animal rescue place. She just took two of those teenage girls to work with her this past Saturday. When I do landscaping, if it's on the weekend, I take a couple of these teenage kids with me, and and we go and we do landscaping, and we are just pouring into these kids. And so their parents now are kind of standing out in the backyard in the distance watching what's going on and going, okay, the kids trust them, so maybe I'll begin to trust them too and And so that's that's evolving, but really ninety nine point nine percent of the gospel conversations that we have somehow involve food
2: so cool man well hey, yeah. Pete, we're probably out of time, aren't we? Yeah, we're coming up on the end well here here's the deal, man. um yeah. I could talk to you about this for a lot longer, and I know Pete could yeah. here's the thing man they, everything yeah. you're doing is so frontline, so mind blowing. And, uh, man, it is just cool. I actually I actually want you to put together, like, more of a, a blown-up, like, exploded diagram of this in Church Planner magazine. Just really okay. spelling this out, man. That would be dynamite. Sure. But we want to thank you for coming on to Hardcore Church Planning. You are a hardcore yeah, church planner. And Pete normally
1: likes to ask people a question into the show. Oh, you know what? I wasn't even prepared. I wasn't even thinking about it. Who, I, who's the opposing? Pete. Between you and Pete, who would win in a fight?
0: Oh man. Well, you know, Pete, I text messaged Peyton uh, last week, and I said, the thing that excites me the most about coming on this thing today was to be able to talk about who talk about fighting somebody. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, Pete mentioned, and I do want to clarify. Pete
2: mentioned at the yeah. beginning of the show that he was three inches bigger than me. He is right. five foot ten. I am five foot seven. And that three wow. inches just pains
0: me. That so uh, yeah. you're
1: five seven if you're wearing like well, like stilettos, right? I mean pumps.
0: Well, <laughs> I have pump to pump I have pump pump. to tell you both. I'm uh, I'm six two, about two twenty. So I might even try to take both of y'all. You, you know
1: what? <laughs> I'll take you. I'll take you. just yeah. me, baby. Just me. I got some scrap All in right. me, baby. And you better okay. hope I'm not standing behind your kneecaps
0: when Pete pushes you. Yeah. We'll you well, down. all right. Well, I tell you what. Uh, before we go, Pete, um, I want to challenge you to a cage match. How about that?
1: You know, here's the only thing that concerns me is he's a landscaper, which means he works for a living, right? Like really works yeah. for a living. I, I sit he does behind not a computer. Have pastors' hands. No, oh, he does no, not have pastors' no. hands.
2: <laughs> Well, hey, Uh, man, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. And uh, that's the kind of smack talk we like. Literal smack talk at the end of this show. We save it the best for last. So thanks Uh, for joining us today for Hardcore Church Planning. And Arnold, the ultimate fighter, will sign us out.
0: Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home.
1: You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning, Hardcore Church planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.